0: G'day everyone, my name is George Faruja and welcome to the final part of the three-part podcast series called Bloodlines brought to you by GRV and RSN when we dive into the world of Greyhound Bloodlines and the stories behind them and uh, again we're going to introduce... The man of the hour. He's uh, been very, very popular in the last couple of weeks. Uh, if uh, social media is anything to go by, um, the co-host and the expert in uh, Greyhound Pedigrees, uh, David Brash. How are you, Brashy? Good, mate. I hope I can live up
1: to that sort of rap. Heavens above.
0: Pretty good rap. I've been uh, working on that for... <laughs> <laughs> I've been working on that for a little while, mate. But uh, no, look, in all seriousness, mate, the um, the last couple of weeks, um, the interest and some of the text messages I've received personally, and I know that you've been in, in contact with a few breeders who have listened to the podcast. It's been a, a really, really, really good response. And essentially that's what we were trying to do when we, when we first started this was um, in regards to the knowledge that you have that we can pass it on, especially to the people getting into the sport. And I think it's been very, very positive and uh, I believe you've had a few people contact you as well?
1: Yeah, look, I've been uh, very, very amazed by, uh, by the response and, uh, and uh, I, it was very interesting earlier in the week. I got a phone call from Charlie Riccio who uh, is the stud master for his own dog, Mr Paparazzi, who was a very good dog. But Charlie's also been uh, part of the uh, rise of uh, Collision uh, at stud. And uh, Charlie rang, and you'll love this, he said, I'm as big a breeding nerd as you and that other bloke.
0: <laughs> yeah, I love that I'm the other bloke. You know what? We are, we are making nerd uh, nerds cool again, Dave. This is, this is what we're trying to do. Yep. That's
1: right. Look, he, Charlie said to me, he said, I love the fact that you guys have uh, got statistics that show, uh, give us an insight into successful ways to breed. And I said, well, come on, explain, Charlie. He said, I've uh, been keeping statistics for the last 10 years on the brood bitches that produce Group 1 winners. Oh, wow. Yes, he said it's really fascinating, and uh, it surprised him, the statistics that he actually came up with. And I'll just give you a couple of little ones. Uh, In that 10-year period, there was 298 Group 1 races run. Mm -hmm. Now, he said, okay, the bitches that never raced, he said they've got to have their opportunity to uh to produce group one winners, and he said, and they did seven of them produced the winners of nine group one races now that's out of two hundred and ninety eight group one races now the biggest percentage of bitches that produced group one winners was win- was bitches that won over a distance of more than 565 metres. 95 of the uh, Brood Bitches produced the winners of 172 Group 1 races, That, which is 58% of the Group 1 races were produced by bitches that had won more than 565 metres. Now, when you consider that the number of sprint races and the number of 500-metre races, that's a staggering
0: figure. It's massive. It's massive. It, go- it goes along to what we said in the f- original podcast, uh, David, that... The females that can run a little bit further are very highly sought after. I was told that from a, a fairly young age that, that, you know, they're the ones that seemingly have a big opportunity to throw dogs, that it can at least run 500 metres, regardless of the size you go to, in a sense. That they're, they're massive stats. Was there um, stats for greyhounds that won over 500 metres as well?
1: There, there certainly was 500 metres to 564 metres. Was seventy four bitches produced the winners of one hundred and six Group Ones, and that was a percentage of thirty six percent.
0: So essentially, it's fifty eight percent plus thirty six percent. So that, that, that so all the so the ones that have won over five hundred metres have had the lion's share of of dogs that have won over Group at Group One status. That's incredible. Thank you, right. thank you, uh, Charlie, for those stats. Amazing.
1: Interesting too, and he said it's a lot of bitches, uh, especially Chloe Allen, who produced Fernando Bale, who who was responsible for eight individual Group One winners. And he said we never find out about these bitches that didn't race, the 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 seven that didn't race that produced nine Group One winners. And I mentioned to him about a bitch called Maple Bale, who was the mother of Lamia Bale, and she and and a very very good litter that included. Kerrigan Bale and Nico and Eco and, uh, and...
0: Terrific was, litter, was, yeah. Yeah,
1: it was a terrific litter. I remember Paul Wheeler saying to me, Mabel Bale broke down and didn't get to race. Now, Mabel Bale was a litter sister to Butsy Bale and he, Paul told me she was lengths better than Butsy Bale. Well, he ended up uh, winning this, the Schweppes at, uh, in Western Australia. He was a finalist in the Perth Cup and uh, numerous feature races. And he is also the damn sire of Dinah Double One. Yeah. So if he was that good and Maple Bar was lengths better than him, she deserved her chance. And then she became a Group One producer.
0: And we know of what we see, David, from the Wheeler regime, that if she was not very quick, he was not going to breed from her. That's for sure. So he must have had a really, really high opinion of her. So that sort of. Yeah, the stories behind the unraced females um, would be interesting to to delve into as well, I suppose, because a lot of them may have been city class and won over the five hundred metres. Those stats are unbelievable. They are, aren't they? I mean, if you th- if you think about it, that's that just gives you a, a really great starting point blueprint on on how to breed uh, on what sort of females to breed from now as we say David a there are always exceptions to the rule and B those sort of females don't fall off trees unfortunately so um, it's 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 tough um, to, to get your hands on them but uh, so this podcast um, David as we've mentioned is based around frequently asked questions and as I said in the in the original podcast David um, Sent a um, just a, a tweet out to for people to fire some questions at me, and seriously, I, I've had to sort of just pick the ones um, that that sort of just caught my eye because there was a lot of them. Um, and people texting me left, right and centre I even had people that I don't even know um, I don't know how they got my number text me saying can you ask David this not even an introduction David like hi my name is this can you ask David this this is the SMS I get so a couple of those um, we're going to add and just quickly you'll for, for those that have listened to the first two podcasts, you'll notice that we touch on some things that we spoke about in the first two podcasts and bring up some new topics too. But the only reason we're touching on some old stuff, David, is because people want to hear more about it and they they want to get more insight into it. So let's um, kick it off, mate. And the first question I've got for you is... Why is it that former champions of the track don't always go on to be very good producers? Now, you touched on this in the first podcast, but can we, can we elaborate a little bit on that, David?
1: Oh, for sure. Look, George, it's, it's a combination of things. And and one, you're talking about the great race bitches of, of all time. And we mentioned in the first podcast about Miata and how mm. she and her sister... As brood bitches were two entirely different types of bitches. One didn't want to be a, a mother. The other one loved it. Now that that you you can never work that out. You can never say, oh well, she's going to be a great brood bitch, because you don't until they actually become one. Um, sometimes those bitches are mated wrongly. Doesn't uh, doesn't necessarily suit them. Uh, yeah, look, you know, the, the thing that I always say to people is. If you've got a Flying Amy, if you've got a Miata, those sorts of bitches, they are the absolute ultimate of what you're chasing. Yeah. You, you, you don't get better than them. They're both Hall of Fame, uh, Flying Amy's half-sister, Tental Doll, Hall of Fame. Fabulous, fabulous race bitches. Where do they go? It's the same problem with Black Caviar and Sunline and Winx and those.
2: Mm. Where,
1: how do they improve that and anything less? means that you're, you're a failure. Now, uh, for instance, flying Amy, uh, she produced just the best, but uh, she also produced quite a number of handy dogs. But their lines have kept coming, and uh, there's more in there. And Miata is a particularly interesting case. Everyone bags her as she, she's a she's a, a failure at stud. Well, I disagree. Actually,
0: I, I mean, me too, David. Yeah. I, yeah I, okay. I bring yeah. up that I bring up that Kinloch litter, a uh, Kinloch Bray litter of hers. Yeah. If you if you were to take a snapshot, David, and say if someone told you fast forward three years and your litter was going to win over two hundred thousand dollars, you'd take it. I reckon yeah. a lot of people would go, "Yep, yeah, that, that's that's a pretty good result."
1: Well, well, ready, Freddie? You know is the perfect example, 15 wins and 60,000, uh, Loctite, 16 wins, 44,000. They're, they're very good dogs. I mean, they don't, uh, they're not results that you sneeze at. But interestingly, with Miata, her daughters are starting to produce quality offspring. She's got a... Bar, the Barcia bar litter was denigrated. Oh, yeah. Bar, they're terrible. And, OK, that's probably right. But there's a there's a very good litter out of a, a Barcia Miata bitch called Rossi M Grant. Now they they went to Kelso's Fuzelia and produced Mrs M Grant, who's a uh, Disney Cup place getter, And there's two there's a, a, a dog in New Zealand called M Grant Park, who's a Group One finalist, and another one over there called M Grant Rose, is a Group One finalist. But over in Western Australia. The Kinloch Bray Miata leader has a Talia Bray, who's the mother of Fearless Eagles, who is a Western Australian Derby finalist, a Mandurah Derby finalist, thereby Punga Apunga it's, yeah, It's
0: happening, you know. This is this is the thing. There's a couple I want to bring up, Dave, and I'm interested to hear your points here. Sindeen Shelby was an interesting one that um, probably wasn't a great producer. She threw some winners, but her granddaughters, like you're saying with Miata... Pop up, pop up in pedigrees and have done pretty well. The other two I want to mention, and I've had a little bit to do with one of them, is Uphill Jill and Strike a Light. Now, up, up, Uphill Jill has thrown a dog that I think is better than her or faster than her. And now he's he hasn't reached the heights that she has. She was an absolute champion. But Coblens this week has run twenty nine sixteen at Sandown. He went four ninety three early, and he not just Coblens. Hilltop Jonah is in that litter. Hilltop Jack, I spoke yep. to Rose Gill, who said there's a couple in the Barsha Bar litter. Watch out for them; they're they're going to be very very handy. So she's a success. Striker Light had four pups in the Black Magic Opal litter. She's thrown a dog called Paddy Wants Pats, who ran twenty nine seventy five at the Meadows on uh, during the week. So, yep. I, 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 you, so they're not failures. Cyndine um, right. S- Shelby is um, appearing in pedigrees, as you said, said, Miata is. So this theory, I think it's. I think we we often um, compare when it comes to thoroughbreds. I think they're in a different boat because they only get to produce one foal a year, whereas we can have litters of eight and nine. Um, and I don't know. I think these these great females are going to live on. Um, but but yeah.
1: George, if if Strike a Light doesn't throw a strike a light, you'll get bagged because, oh, is an ordinary producer. Yeah,
0: yeah. And, you know, that, that's... A, but Uphill Jill legitimately... Has thrown a dog that has a better PB at Sandown than her. He's she she was very very quick and broke five seconds to the mark. But yeah, but at Sandown four ninety three when he nailed the start. Coblens like he he's almost been a little bit of the forgotten dog behind Aston Rupee's exploits and that's fair enough. But um, Koblenz, as we stand right here, if I had a spot in the Phoenix, um, he'd almost be my number one pick, especially after his performance at Sandown this week. So. It's an interesting. It's an interesting one. Miata is a different case study because Paul Stewart gave us that insight about her not really wanting to be a mum. And that's as you said, they might have really nice temperaments, David. That doesn't mean they're going to be great mums either. Um, some of them just don't want to be. <laughs> don't want to be oh, there. Look, but... I,
1: I had one who uh, years ago uh, she was uh, Golden Easter Egg, the very first Golden Easter Egg series. And uh, from the moment she whelped the pups, she wouldn't eat a thing until until they were weaned. Well, you, they don't produce milk; they're not motherly; they're, yeah. you, they're terrible. And you know, we we tried and tried and finally gave up on her. And and you know, we probably should have kept the the daughters, but how do you? You know, that that's the thing. It's so. the
0: f- it's the first question I asked David. um obviously doing some a lot of full-time stuff now. It's really hard to whelp down litters, so I've got people that sort of help out with some of the litters that I breed, and it's the first question I ask for the maiden girls. How are they as mums? And, and after what you told me about Paul and Jan Wheeler, saying that they are most often than not the ones that, yeah, yeah. go on to produce, very, very interesting, yeah. but well,
1: George, there's, there's also, a, you have to take into account too that, that sometimes these great race bitches are freaks,
0: now, yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: they'll they'll emerge out of anything, and and Sunline was a particular example of that. Uh, Sunline looked like a, a stallion and behaved like a stallion and was all powerful and was an amazing racehorse. But I've been told her her entire family is nothing like Sunline. They all had uh, um, um, uh, breakdown issues, and when. The, the I was told that when she goes to start Sunline, which she did, and produces, she will revert to her own family rather than herself, and that's what happened. She was a failure at start, so mm-hmm. you know, the, it, it, very few of them raced, and uh, and they got nowhere. So
0: a real shame too, because she was one of my favourites as a as a racehorse. That that. That second cox plate win, David, oh. was just it's incredible, wasn't it? So yeah. when he kicked her when he kicked her at the thousand
1: metres and she put about eighty five yards
0: on. Her, <laughs> Pretty good. Geez, there's been some I, I know you and I have both been to the valley um, for some of those good ones. I was actually on track for Bone Crusher and Our Waverly Star. I think Dad had me on his shoulders. No,
2: were you really Yeah,
0: like and, and you know in the old tunnel at that Mooney Valley there was that still that yeah. big photo of Bone Crusher and our Waverly Star brings children up the spine, but we digress, mate. Um, no, I We can talk about that in a different podcast. The other one, mate, that we had a lot of people um, texting me about was how far back do you look on a pedigree? Now, we we spoke about this last week when we spoke about Casey and all and his Australian influence in his pedigree. But one question we got centered around a matriarch called Gorgeous Babe. Now, for those who don't know, Gorgeous Babe hailed from the 50s. And as my dad always says, plenty of good things came out of the 50s, um, David. Um, My old man said music has... Died uh, about 30 years ago, and we still listen to some 50s music, mate. But uh, look, some of her sons went to the US. You discussed them last week, and they certainly left their mark there. So the question I have for you is, do you think it's beneficial to bring back bloodlines containing her blood, even if it's 10 or 12 generations back?
1: Look, there's, I, I know there are people who who br- bring that in and mention that and Try to give that the, the the be all and end all of pedigrees, you know, twelve generations back, and mm. and they run in the X path to so and so and all that. Look, that that yes, I I agree with that, but how is anyone going to say that is the reason for Koblenz being a great race dog? Yes. Um, I, 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 I find it difficult to... Uh, to uh, I agree that they have, have uh, an influence, but what I try to do is incorporate dominant... common and dominant ancestors, but the closer the better. Now, Gorgeous Babe, as, as we mentioned, the Dutch Bahama, the Kinloch Ray, the Casey and all, all of those have that saturation. Now Tim Lee, he, his mother was inbred to that line too, to Magic Babe, and, mm. and and he just kept producing, producing, producing. Now he's everywhere. So what you do, you're bringing in those proven lines, and it does, it must have an impact somewhere, but it, but it all depends on positioning too, uh, where they are in the pedigree. Mm. Look gorgeous, Babe. Yeah. Uh, why just gorgeous babe? Why not uh, Princess Dairo? Uh, why not uh, all these great dogs? All these great brood bitches—they they do have an impact. But I, me personally, I like to look at a pedigree design that brings in common and dominant ancestors within the, within the first four, five, six generations.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And and it and, it, and when it is Dutch Bahama and Kinloch Bray and Casey and all. And that's gorgeous, bay. Yes. Yeah, Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, How much importance do you put into sires who break track records, even if their pedigree isn't what you'd consider tailor-made to be a success? Now, before you answer I want to bring up one that a a friend of mine spoke about, and that's Whiskey Assassin. Pound for pound, one of the fastest dogs... um, on the planet when he was racing. Incredible. Two turn, one turn, anything, David. He was he was a freak. Now, he was he's regarded as a dog who failed at stud. So, yeah, just talk about the track record factor and and then Whiskey Assassin if you can.
1: Okay. Go through a list of the great sires. Yeah. Not everyone because we the first thing one of the first things we ever said was exceptions to every rule. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now, that if you go through all the great great sires who have been track record breakers, you you can go right back to Chief Havoc, Blacktop, Tim Lee, Brother Fox, Brett Lee, Head Honcho, Chariot Supreme, Collision, uh, Fernando Bale, Barcia Bale, we, we keep coming on. Yeah. Now, they're all, all, all great, great, great sires, and they were track record breakers. Mm-hmm. Now, in Whiskey Assassin's case, now, a lot of people don't know this, but He was a very savage dog, a very savage dog. You had to be very careful with him. I can remember going to a property in Queensland a few years ago, and he was there retired on the property. Mm -hmm. And he was over there with all the brood bitches, and they told me, don't go near him, he'll bite you. He was a bit of a pain.
0: (laughs) Which which is unbelievably rare in greyhound racing. In greyhounds, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. But interestingly, he's by Awesome Assassin, who's by Light of Fire, who's by New Tears. New Tears would bite you, Light of Fire would bite you. Awesome Assassin was a perfect nature, but Whiskey Assassin got that. The reason I believe Whiskey Assassin was a failure is because his damn sire was Captain Standby. Okay. Now, he was a, he was a very moderate sire, uh, had a, uh, a few things in his in, in his offspring that you didn't want. Now it was going to impact. Now his whiskey assassins from the from the uh, Wheeler line,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: uh, but I just think Captain Standby dragged him down something terrible, and and that was that was what ended up happening. Now interestingly, he he did get a few nice dogs, bulletproof girl and her sister. And uh and they were uh, but they had a very interesting pedigree. Bulletproof girl and her sister. They had uh a double up of Promises Free Nation Parade, who's the brother and sister, and that's the same way that Head Honcho's bred. Um Whiskey Assassin's been a fairly nice uh, brood bitch sire and, and me personally, uh it's through Bourne O' who is, he's the sire of Bourne Ali's mother. Now but Bourne Ali has a Fabulous pedigree that uh and uh, and Born Ali's grandmother Born Lucky a virtual brother and sister so that's why that's how we did that pedigree and Born Ali's the mother of my own bitch, Rashida. so
0: it's a it's he, a, he also he, he also that was the brood bitch uh, sire of um, Sozen Comet who was a very very fast dog who went to New Zealand and and, and sired a, a lot of winners and then the other one I can see David is a greyhound called Tricky Jade who threw. Yeah. Uh, Zipping Hamish, who was a good dog as well. So, yeah, it's it's interesting you say that. And, you know, I remember at the time, Dave, and you probably remember this too, that they thought that Whiskey Assassin wasn't a great sire because he come from Paul Wheeler's dam line, which everyone said, oh, is it, they only throw... They're not going to throw a stud dog. I mean, if you fast-forward uh, 20 years, we've got Barsha Bale and, and Fernando Bale smoking cigars at the top of the list. So, yeah. Look, I,
1: I, I never had a... a a qualm about Barcia Bale being a stud dog because yeah. he, because of his pedigree, because he was a track record, he broke a track record with the mate. Yeah, and, and, and I believe Brendan Wheeler loved him so much that they just had to give him a couple of starts first and, and bang, he went to Eye and, and broke the record as a maiden and then they sent him to Graham Bay. Graham Bate told me himself, he said he was freakish. Yeah, so that's that's why I had not And he, and you know what? He wasn't typical of a Wheeler stud dog in that he was saturated with with outside lines. He he had real Aussie lines that were going to uh, bring in lots of bitches that could make to him. And that's what's happened.
0: And I'm going to speak a little bit about Bale a little bit down the track, and it'll be an interesting topic about what I'm going to bring up with you with one of these uh, curly questions that I've got for you. Now, this is one that I've had about four or five people um, ask me, and that is, would you breed from a female who had an indiscretion on the racetrack?
1: It's a hard one. Uh, People will – look, in all all my years in dogs – Fighters generally are very fast dogs.
0: Yes, (laughs) Um,
1: it's their determination not to let others get past them or beat them or whatever. Uh, Failing to chase is a hard one. Uh, People will always give you the example of, oh, Topsy. She she never uh, she used. I saw her pull up and uh, all that sort of stuff, and and yet she was a great producer. Oh uh, exceptions to every rule i i'm I'm the sort of person who says why take the risk
0: you you'd always be worried, David, that even if they they broke in quick, you'd always have in the back of the, your mind that the female has done something naughty yeah i know mm. i know mm. yeah
1: and that that would worry me.
0: In saying that, David, if I had one that had a couple of tickets for, for failing to chase or fighting and still run 29.30 at Sandown, you'd probably roll the dice, wouldn't you?
1: Well, look, it's a bit hard to say, no, I, I won't breed with that. Mm. But the the, the the example I often uh, mention is a bitch called Clover Park that Dennis Reid had. Now, Clover Park was a champion stayer. She Group 1 winner, Outstanding race bitch from Dennis's fabulous damn line. And Dennis never bred a litter with her. And I mentioned to him one day, I said, Why, why not, Dennis? I said, She was so good a bitch. And he, he related a, a, a story to me about her when she was retired and they had a big shed where all their kennels were. And, and he said, if, if it started to rain and thunder and lightning, he said she would break out of her kennel. And go and dig a huge, big hole in the tomato <laughs> patch and lie in there, yeah, to, to, to the stage where you couldn't couldn't even get her out of it. And he said, "Yes, she was a fast dog." But he said, "I'd be taking her to from Old Elbo where he lived on the Northern Rivers, to down to Sydney for a for a race." He said she wouldn't lie down for a good half hour while the car was driving. He said, and then. She'd finally lie down, and a stone would hit up underneath the car oh, she'd go, and she'd be up for another hour and a half, you
0: know, so that's interesting, so it's not just the indiscretions on the track she he didn't like what her temperament showed as well and and we. yeah said,
1: why would I want ten pups like her wow and and nine of them probably not going to be as good as her. So he said all I'd be doing was uh was having to put up with lunatics who, who tried to escape every time
0: it rained. Can you imagine if that happened today, David? it probably wouldn't happen. Hm mm.
1: no, no. Clover Clover Park was a fabulous race bitch and uh and a group one winner and, and Dennis didn't read with her. So you know, yeah. So it's how brave was that?
0: So I've I've done it in the past, David. I'm still waiting to see the results. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people have, but yeah, that, that's the one thing that I've noticed. I'm worried about what. Yeah. That, that, I, so in other words, even if they break in good and they, and they start trialing well, I, there's always that reservation that I'm going to say oh, I shouldn't get too excited about these ones. You know that 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 sort of behaviour. So now I have. Um, Listen to you. You're the expert, absolutely. Now, if we are in disagreement about this next one, David, um, we get, we're going to have a, a nice little fair old argument on air, which is absolutely fantastic. <laughs> I I'm looking forward to this. The question is, and I've got this a few times too, do you believe that the number of starts a female has impacts her potential as a brood bitch?
1: No, not in the slide. Um, <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> I, I have... I can remember... Speaking to uh, Alan Pringle decades ago, and Sp- Spanish Dance was a great race pitch. And after 20 starts, he retired at a start. Now, that's the, the Marty Helen and Dam line of today, with all those zipping Bailey and zipping Garth and all those zipping dogs. Mo- nearly all of them come from that line. Mm-hmm. And Pringle had this thing that uh, you had to retire your really good race pitches. Uh, early, so that they could go to start to produce a whole uh, line of of uh, of uh, dogs for you. Now, the examples against that are
0: huge everywhere, everywhere. And, I, I'm swatting them away like flies, David. Yeah,
1: exactly. Look, the first, I, I think that's just absolute rubbish. Now, you know, when when you get a bitch like that, isn't that what you're Whole breeding campaign is is aimed at. Yeah. So why retire them after twenty starts when they could have eighty starts? And Dennis Reid, again uh, was, was an exponent of this. He Golden Fox had sixty or seventy starts, and she became a great producer. Uh, my, in my own case, Born Ali, she had ninety starts, and is and as a is a group one producer, uh, our bitch. Uh, Rashida had nearly sixty starts. We're we're happy to breed with her, and rates are on like
0: that. The the perfect ones are Floodgate and Floodborn. Oh, I was going to say Floodgate for me, David. When I started at National Grand Form, she was the number one brood bitch in the country. Don't forget Victoria. She was the number one brood bitch in the country. I mean, if you think about names like Jack Junior, Ashley Janine, flood- can you imagine? How, remember how quick Floodgun was. Oh no. <laughs> she had 99 career starts. Yeah. Well, what, what about Plattford? She had 2,428. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is the thing though, David, because the majority of them retire um, after about, what, 30, 40 starts? Or just say on average. Say on average. So all of a sudden, I, mate, you'd be surprised how many people would disagree. Um, with us on this, um, and again, this oh, is an opinion-based yeah, don't, podcast, don't, so don't
1: overrate them. or don't
0: overrate them. <laughs> don't overrate them. As long as they are looked after during their racing career, uh, the, the, their genetic makeup and their ability to throw good dogs is not going to change. And then we talk about the American fact. You speak about Norm Rinaldi buying um, yeah, Grace, Grace, is Grace is Destiny. Right. She had hundred and fifty odd starts. That's yeah. not it. That they don't blink at that in America. Absolutely not. And essentially, yeah. they race every. Four or five yeah. days, right, Dave? Yeah,
1: that's exactly the example. Everyone in America, if they, look, the, the breeders in America are a unique lot. They they send all their dogs off to uh, to the the training at uh, the trainer at the track, and he might have sixty or seventy dogs in his kennel. Now, the only way they can get money is as if those dogs keep racing, 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 racing. Yeah, you know. Uh, not for them. They're not going to make any money if they race 10 times and retire. So those guys over there, they breed the, the bitch that's had 150 starts, and, and they expect their progeny to all have 150 starts and make money for them.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah? It's interesting. I, I can understand people getting a little bit antsy, and they're so desperate because they've got a good uh, female to get some pups on the ground. Totally understand that. Been there. Absolutely been there before. But... Um, I, I, it's one of those things that I think I personally leave up to the trainer to make that call. If if sometimes a trainer will come to you and say to you, listen, I think she's had enough. I think she's ready to be a mum. And they would know her ins and outs better than anyone. So
1: I, I think, too, uh, trainers can be a, a, a problem. Some, sometimes trainers will... Uh, the bitch that might race 100, 100 times... Some trainers might give them 150 trials. Well, there's 300 races. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and That may be stretching the friendship uh, <laughs> to a degree. You know, I'm not sure whether, because a lot of these trainers, uh, the Jason Mackay's and the Tony Brett's and those sorts of people, they don't, they're not trial mad in between uh, races. They'll, mm. they'll uh, gallop them up the straight and and... That in that in particular means that their that their race career is what you see, not necessarily another hundred trials.
2: You mm, know? Yeah.
1: No. Anyway, so uh, an interesting aspect. A very 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 good friend of mine, uh, Graham Bay, who was a trainer and a Graham vet. Uh, he he made a uh, visit to America and he had a good look around about three or four different um, tracks over there. Checked dogs out, looked at their racing, and he said to me, uh, "The the I would rather have an American type dog able to race 150 times than, for instance, sake, like a uh, a bombastic Shiraz that might have had 10 starts, but is the fastest dog of all time. Mm. You've only got 10 starts out of out of this dog that yeah. may have broken down." And as Graham Graham said then. I think we should be bringing American dogs out here. He was 20 years ahead of what the influence of American dogs is going to be in
0: Australia. (laughs) Thank God for people like that, absolutely. Did no one listen to him at the time. No, no. That's what you said last week. That some of them came down here and, and and some of the early size, It just it didn't work, but uh, it certainly has now. Um, D- David, this is from all the questions that I received. This is one that I'm really, really interested in. I think it's a, it's a good point. Now we see some races from time to time across the country where dogs are more interested in having a bit of a play and a muck around, and uh, as. Um, Again, my dad would say, "Kids of today, um, no respect <laughs> compared to the the old schoolers." But um, yeah. do you think chase will be looked at as highly as pedigree analysis in this current climate?
1: Oh, George, it has to be, it, and it, you know what? It always has to have been, and and it, you, you
0: But it, but, you but it wasn't, David, was it? Oh, Not always. Yeah, yeah.
1: no, no. But they are now, in particular. In the in the circumstances of the industry today,
2: mm. it,
1: it is the greatest number one single thing. Yes. And and you look, you know, dogs. There are dogs who throw great chase. There are those that don't, or those that have mixed results. Now, I I, I always ask my clients when when they uh, ask me to look at a bitch. Give me some ideas of your bitch and what you think she needs in her progeny to help them succeed. And one of those is chase. Now, if they think the bitch... Look, uh, nine times out of of ten... those people that own that bitch will defend her to the end. Yeah, that she was yeah. a good chaser.
0: Don't knock I'm their, don't good knock good their, um, their, their uh, greyhound <laughs> mate.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Not our girl. Uh, I know. So that's, that's got to be. It has to be. But quite often you've got to find the right sire for her that is a good chase. And sometimes they are lunatic chasers, and and then you don't put them to those dogs. Uh, That that have this uh, huge chase instinct that can sometimes put putts over the top. Mm. Yeah,
0: it's interesting, Dave, isn't it? And and we've got we've got a a little bit more uh, wiggle room here in Australia. Like we bring up America again. Essentially, if they maintain enough form, they only race at the one track. Uh, Sometimes you know, if you if you have a look, some they they move tracks from time to time, but they will race. They'll have 50 consecutive races at the same track over the same distance. Um, and here we, we, you know, we hear trainers say, oh, look, I might give him a, a little bit of coursing to freshen him up a little bit. We've got that sort of um, variety. It's really, really interesting. The one I want to bring up, and again, I, I'm not affiliated with, with any of these stud dogs at all or anything like that. But...
1: Before you go on, mm-hmm. Let me just tell you one thing. When Graham Bay went over to America and he watched races in mm. America, and he said, look, the graded races in America, <clears throat> because they race every fourth day in America, the, the graded races over there, he, he felt the dog that jumped in front 99 times out of 101, mm. he said the others he felt just followed it around. Okay, And yeah. if next week you drew the one and you jumped and led... Then you won. Mm. But Graham said to me, the top-grade dogs that he saw at all the tracks he went to, they were high-class race dogs that competed to win, and they chased and chased and chased. Yes. Now, he said that was the difference, and that's probably what we see here from a bunch of dogs racing at Moree as opposed to the free fall at the meadows on a Saturday night.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, and and it's not to say that every American bloodline is going to be full of unbelievable chase. There's been um, stories to the contrary about some of them. But, um, yeah, you make a good point. The one I was going to bring up, David, and again, as I said, I've got no affiliation with this stud talk whatsoever, but from early... From what I can see early on, is Bernardo's progeny seem to chase pretty well. Do you agree with that?
1: Yeah, they they go good, um, and and particularly he, he's got a very interesting pedigree in that he's got Fierzophonic as the sire of his mother, mm. and I know he was a very very good chaser in, in England. Like you don't become greyhound of the year in England, uh, like the dog broke down and carried an injury into the English Derby final and broke down in the race. And still got beat ahead by a son of Just the Best. Yeah. And and uh, yeah. The, look, that's that's he's from that that famous Shebeki that that damn line that's worked so well. And they're always good chasers that damn line. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's he's uh, like um, Aussie Secrets, a very good dog. Dr Tucker's a very good dog. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm not saying he's in the same ilk as this sire, but he reminds me a little bit of sort of head honcho progeny. They've got good speed. They chase well. Um, again, certainly not in that class yet, but it, he's just trending that I think that he's he's probably going to be successful on the back of what we spoke about where there, there's there been some greyhounds that probably aren't chasing as well as, as, as they should. Um, another question we received was... Interested to hear your opinion, Dave, on two U.S. dogs with Irish blood who had different results out here in Australia. Calso's Fusilier through Fernando Bale and a Bendigo Cup winner in Vanderwarp, who's gone on to produce some some nice pups in WA, and the better-performed Kiowa producer, who, who, by the way, only had 34 litres in Australia, didn't really sort of reach any of those heights. Obviously, there are other factors involved in regards to rearing, but can you sort of um, talk about those two?
1: Kelfos Fusilier was an interesting situation, and uh, and he was a very very ordinary sire in America. Mm. And, and uh, okay, he got the great uh, Fernando, and he also got Vanderwalk. Who look, both both those dam lines were high class dam lines. You know that yeah. the Vanderwalks out of the Star Recall line, um, but obviously. Uh, Fernando's mother, uh, Chloe Allen, was a, uh, a half sister to Jarvis Bale. Uh, the Wheeler Dam line, the Wheeler Rearing, all that sort of stuff. That to me is probably why Kelso's will will hold a place in Australia. To me, I think it was more the uh, the Dam line that that made those dogs a, a success. Mm. Um, Kyler produces an interesting one. He's from the Brett Lee sire line. And he's very inbred. He's inbred to a bitch called Flying Doo and and her half-brother, Flying Penske. Now, three by two, and it's a very, very strong cross. Um, When he came out here, he's got a cross of a bitch called Article Clark who has a lot of similar lines to Spiral Nikita. Mm. Now, I thought Kiowa producers should have mated bitches with Spiral Nikita in them to bring in that... That uh, uh, that link to Article Clark in in his dam line, but it never happened. Now, yeah. interestingly, the same inbreeding, Flying Pinsky, Flying do, is in the pedigree of Kyle and Mon and he was a great sire in America, but a virtual failure in Australia. Kyle Amon Mon mm. and yeah, really was. Um, Kyle produces. Probably only decent dog was a, a, a bitch called Big Time Daisy. And her mother was elite and classy queenside. And that's a double up of the uh, the famous lines, uh, Queensland lines. And uh, she was a good, it's a great, the, the queen size damn line. So, yeah, uh, probably
2: just
0: didn't. Maybe didn't get enough chance out here. I tell you what, he was a, t- a terrific greyhound. Well, yeah he was
1: great race dog I, oh, yeah. I i know he was a very very good race dog mm. and and probably didn't get the right pitches but it and you know how do you how do you say he did or he didn't you know he, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. You, uh, uh, a good sire will still or should still uh, overcome that, and obviously Kiowa producer just didn't have it for
0: some reason. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, another question uh, we're going to fire at you. Is there a name in a pedigree, locally or internationally, that excites you more than any other?
1: Oh, uh, not really. Okay. What it what it is, is I, I when I get a, pedi- a bitch to look at, it, it's her pedigree, and things in her pedigree jump out at you mm. and say, look, in that bitch she needs this, in that bitch she needs that. Uh, this is a proven cross with her line. Uh, that, that damn sire or her sire works great with that dog. So that's what I try to do. You see all these proven crosses and you see these lines and you look at her pedigree and you say, I think she needs this, I think she needs that. That's why I like to give my clients Three or four options with different aspects that can that hopefully can improve that pitch to produce city winners. So look, look, the 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 aim is if we can get a city winner that we're happy. If anything further is a bonus, um, uh, because you know, look you. Do do we aim to win a race at Warhope or do we aim to win a race at Wentworth Park, or, or the Meadows, or whatever? Yeah. Uh, that's what we have to ask about uh, about pedigrees. Yeah.
0: So on the back of that, then, what, what? Give me an example of a pedigree on paper that you go, wow, that is a pedigree.
1: Look, I've seen a stack of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to, <coughs> I have to say. Uh, Seneki and 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 I talked the the breeders into doing that. Um, if you look at the pedigree, you'll just see a double of Primo Uno three by four, but it's more than that. It's it's a it's a two by two to Chloe Ellen and Punk Rock Lass, who are bred identically, and uh, they have so much in them. They both got Primo Uno. They both got Head Honcho. They have both got the wheel aligned. They both got. They've got a black Shiraz, as big ginger boy. So what we did was bring in Chloe Ellen and Punk Rock Class two by two, who are sisters virtually. Mm-hmm. So then we had Kinloch Bray working with the Gable Dodge line. There's common ancestors in that in those two as well. at Dutch Bahama, for instance, uh, it brings it in. So Seneki was pretty well there. This- but I did get an email from uh, Darren Pulio a while ago and he said, what do you think of this mating?" And it was Nicky Fields to Fernando Bale. <laughs> and yeah, and I said to him, it's fabulous. It's one of the best I've ever seen. I said, just do it. And he came back straight away and he said, they're six weeks old and <laughs> the the cross in it, it, there's, it's a two-fold cross. One is Prima Uno with Barbie Shiraz. Now, they're virtual brother and sister, mm. and that's a three-by-three three and very powerfully placed to, to impact because they're both by Black Shiraz, and they're both out of the famous portrait line, mm. which, is a, which is a line that does exceedingly well when you reinforce it in itself. Chiba is bred that way.
0: Why, wow, she's fast. He's bred that way. Ah, bread that way. Shimmer Shines bred that way. Yeah.
1: That's right, that's right. I'm gonna I'm gonna get on to where She's Fast. Um, but also in Poke the Bear is Awesome as and God It's a Fire, four by five, and they're brother and sister. Now all this inbreeding in Poke the Bear and, and Outer Range and all that litter is so strong, it was a fabulous, fabulous mating and, and there they are, poke the bear, top gun, all that sort of stuff. Look, speaking of where she's fast, it's, uh, I, I have always thought My Bro Fabio and Barthia Bale would, would produce stars. Now, that because of that, I, it, it's because both My Bro Fabio, who's got Where's Pedro as the sire of his mother, he's done extremely well when he's got Hallucinate in the Mother of, of the bitches he makes. Mm-hmm. Now, that's there, there's quite a number of Group 1 performers. Uh, bred on that theme now, Barcia we know who's got hallucinate in as the sire of his mother has done extremely well with Where's Pedro as well. Uh, I see a lot, a lot, a lot of City winners by Barcia Bale bred on that cross. Ritzaleni's bred on that cross. So is Shima Barr but not through uh, Where's Pedro, but through Carnage. Now it's amazing how um, uh, how well she's fast bred because she's got. Primo Uno Bella Portrait, uh, top and bottom, and she's got Where's Pedro? Hallucinate and pure octane. It's yeah. amazing her the, the the pedigree in this bitch, and and she's a thirty-one and a half kilo bitch. She's a powerhouse. <laughs> how would you be if you had thought you had a maiden hope at Sandy on the yeah, other
0: and no, You copped that. <laughs> no, 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 no. How'd you be? Oh, that oh, did <laughs> you. <boy.
1: laughs> You'd be scratching your head all the way back to that.
0: And, to and the uh, w- one of the uh, one of the tragedies that um, that poked the bear wasn't um, able oh. to be a stud dog. No, I, 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 I just just quickly, David. I was behind the lucky enough to be behind the boxes when he won the silver bullet, and uphill Jill led him um and i tell you he was lucky to keep his feet as they turned for home he picked himself up and still won the race one of the best chasers, and he did it from poor box draws he was he was a gun that dog oh mate he would have they would have been jumping out of trees to use him absolutely i know, I
1: know. And, a, and a lovely dog too and, uh, and and a shame that he died uh, i know darren kept him as a pet and, uh, and they loved him and and unfortunately died. Another pedigree that is interesting that I've, I've often found so good, um, Man for a Lad, uh, uh, Blacktop and Tem Lee. Uh, Tem Lee's inbred to brother and sister. Blacktop's the same. Mm. And, uh, but Man for a Lad was inbred to two sisters. And uh, Pilgrim Star and Paris match. And it was so strong in its pedigree. There's no doubt that they had such an influence on him, and Pilgrim Star uh, was a champion stayer, stayer so there was yeah. no doubt ad was going to be a great stayer. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. really interesting, and and I suppose uh, along those lines of poke, the it would be interesting to see how his half brother hooked on Scotch goes, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, he, he's a, he's a certainty for uh, Fernando
1: Balbi. Yeah, I know. Get in the get
0: in the <laughs> queue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is a good question too, Dave. Um, we've seen Fernando and Barsha dominate f- for season after season now. I mean, I, I, it's almost um, f- we forget the time before they haven't been on top. Um, who do you think is a young sire that it, that is capable of making it? Now, before we go on with that, uh, now we often see a new sire line arise from the ashes to be dominant again, Dave. We've seen it when ba- uh, Bombastic Shiraz was really dominant. N- n- not one of his sons. Got to number... I think Fabregas was a good sire and there's a few others that, that went okay. But Basha Bale then took over through the go-old Teddy, Teddy sire line. Um, then you see Bombastic Shiraz come back through a grandson in Zambora Brockie. So yeah. do you think that might happen or are we going to get a son of Fernando or Basha sort of dominate for the next few years?
1: I think because they are already proving to have a very good nick between each other... Uh, Fernando and barcia and and uh, the the number of nice Fernando dogs out of Barcia Bale bitches is is growing as we speak, and uh, I think uh, Fernando's sons who haven't got barcia in their da- in in their dam line will make it, and consequently in in reverse, barcia sons who haven't got Fernando in their dam line will make it as well. Um, I particularly like dogs like, uh, you know, Tommy Shelby. Well, well, we spoke before, Koblenz. Now, why won't he make it at stud? He's a flying machine. He's 32 and a half kilos, a beautiful size. He's by Fernando out of a champion bitch, who's out of a where's a uh, Premier Fantasy bitch, who's out of a where's Pedro bitch, who's out of a bombastic Shiraz bitch. It's a great, great line, proven everywhere. Now... Anyone that's got a Barcia bitch that doesn't go to Kablens at stud is crazy because the Premier Fantasy Barcia crosses Mapunga Blazer. So, you know, it just works. Another one I like Tommy Shelby. Tommy Shelby has a fabulous pedigree for uh, for potential stud star because he can make Barcia bail bitches too because. Tommy Shelby's mother went to Basti Bar and produced Jungle Juice, who was a group dog, a very good dog.
0: And so. the other, the other thing with Tommy is that I think the Withers family would be rapt if he was able to throw the chase. We spoke about it earlier the chase into his pups because he, he, he was dragged along the countryside and performed at the highest level, a hundred out of a hundred.
1: It's it's the one reason, apart from his. His pedigree, his fabulous dam line, uh, and the nicks that he can produce, it's the one thing that I like most about him. Now, you and I know, and I think we've said it in, the, in past podcasts, um, driving from um, uh, to Capalabar on a Sunday afternoon for a race can wipe a dog out, let alone going from Perth to Hobart to Melbourne to Sydney to Brisbane. And winning group one races being competitive yeah. in group one races yeah. being being among the best there is it just tommy's got it
0: it's it's all there the, yeah. the one for me dave and i I'll, I'll put my neck on the line and i i'm an'm I'm sh- unashamed fan of this dog is shimmer shine I, I I can't see how he doesn't make it at stud um for all the reasons that you've spoken about um, track record holder on numerous occasions tick 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 um yeah. Damline comes from this famous portrait Damline who has thrown the likes of Wow She's Fast, Hooked on Scotch Poked the Bear, I mean absolute guns his mum was a group winner who run 5 and 600 metres but the most important part and you touched on this on the first podcast his first start at Sandown Dave he went 496 to the mark so and his half sister Shimmer Classic has run 494 to the mark at the Meadows so I, I can't see where he won't make it at start, Dave. I just, I, I, I can't. I, he's just one of those dogs that I think, and if you bring in, just for a personal thing, he's got Primo Uno in his pedigree. I think if you bring in Fernando bitches, for instance, to Shimmer Shine, and correct me if I'm wrong here, I think that would be a fairly good thing to do going forward.
1: Um, has to be perfect, because one, one for a starter, is by Buffy Buck. Who's who's the link with uh, with Fernando Bale? But as you say, the double up of Primo Uno is so strong, and it's particularly strong in uh, in <coughs> pardon me, in um, Fernando Bale line. Seneke, uh, even that great dog Sir Truculent is by Wormburner, and he carries a double of, of Primo Uno. Yeah. So there's a lot of that happening, and, and, it, and it's proven. So yes, you can do that, but in particular because. Shimachine is a big long dog, a good size and the Fernando bitches will suit him perfectly because he they they generally need a bit of size. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. look he, he he he's got everything there. Uh he's got a touch of collision in him as well which uh which is perfect and uh collision bitches or bitches uh, brood bitches with collision through a female because he comes in to via uh, by, by Dynatron through, uh, <clears throat> through his dam line, and that is going to suit uh, as well. It, look, there's lots of options for him. I, I love him. Uh, he's just a, such a great dog, and uh, I laughed at uh, <laughs> Dave Gleason. I said to him ages ago, I said, when are you going to retire that dog, Dave? And he said, when he's 42.
0: <laughs> Kudos to them for doing that, because I think I would have... Probably pulled the plug a little bit earlier. Then, then I seen him live at Bendigo, and he took out that um, pink diamond race and nearly broke the track record there. Yeah, it was it was great for them to keep him going, and and to to think that he had a fractured hip after that that first Top Gun. So again, kudos to to the Daily Camp for for um, the way they went about it. And I think those two dogs that we mentioned, I've spoken to um, the Daily Camp about Shimmer Shine. Is that he's a lamb in the in the kennels? He's really quiet. He's he, you 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 put him in the car. He puts his head down and sleeps. But then when it comes time to business, he does his business. And I think Tommy Shelby's probably the same. He would have had to be Tommy Shelby because he wouldn't have been able to travel around if he was um, crazy in the kennels and all that sort of stuff. Yeah.
1: Another dog I like for the future is, of course, is Aston Ruby, who who <clears throat> now he's a casey and all. Wow. But um, he's like
0: so a he, danehill bred thing, in he? He's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah,
1: he's, he, and and the fact that he's out of a Bastia Bale bitch allows every Fernando Bale bitch in the world to go to him, and he and his mother's a sister to Aston dB So you know, look, I, I um, I've. <laughs> I texted uh, Ray Border just the other day, and I said, I want a straw for uh, Rashida as soon as I can get
0: it. He laughed. we had him on radio, and he said the phone hasn't stopped for those wanting to, to get straws, but it, it, it just not yet. The other one, Dave, if you talk about track record holders, is WOW. And and he comes in with you speak about um, great families. He comes in with um, some real inbreeding to the Osti Dam line, which has been an incredible dam line for a long time. He's another one that brings a little bit of size as a son of Fernando, doesn't he? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And and look, he's he's your Group One dog. It's unfortunate in New South Wales at the moment with the COVID lockdown of Wentworth Park that these great dogs like him are forced out into the bush. And oh, and no. we've I know. Stopped yeah. them. We've, they've stopped. You know, look, uh, successful stat dogs can also depend on the boom that they get on them. And uh, at yeah. the moment, people are forgetting about well, I, I I don't think that'll continue because he'll go back into town and and uh, and start winning good races again. But uh, yeah, it it uh, he, he's he's got a lovely damn
0: life. He he's he's one of cool. those dogs, Dave, isn't he? That he's look he's great at Wentworth Park he, he came here and very few dogs do this I, I don't care how good they are from New South Wales and that's yeah. not to say that the best dogs in New South Wales and Queensland can't come and compete here but for him to win first up in a race like the Tim Lee is, yeah. is incredible dogs don't yeah. do that Dave for when they come and um but the straight line speed of that dog he's almost like that old school sort of Harold Park dog type, yes. you know, unbelievable speed. And again, correct me if I'm wrong, you're the expert here, but he would match with Barsha Bale um, girls, I would suggest. It brings oh, in a double 100%. of go old Teddy through a son and a daughter, which we spoke yes, about for the yes. chase factor, perhaps, yeah.
1: Yes, Yeah. 100%. percent i tell you a dog I, I do quite like uh, as, as at start who's probably not your... Your high-end uh, stud dog is, uh, is a dog called Catch the Thief. Now he's he's got a very inbred pedigree, and a lot of the great stud dogs have had a very inbred pedigree. Mm. Now he is out of a Barcia Bale bitch, and that allows him. Look, he was a very very fast dog, and I do like him as a as a potential sire. Uh, people with that don't want to spend the 8000 on on whatever or the 10000 on whatever, he's your option. I, I I do like that he's got a barcia Vale uh, as the sire of his mother. That's a very, very good influence. And as I said, he's an inbred dog, so that suits him as well. And that
0: helps out. Yeah. Um, okay, this is an interesting one too. And again, this um, was given to me on a few different occasions. Repeat matings, why are they so shunned?
1: It's a bit of an old wives' tale. Um, I wrote an article some time ago about Dinah Lachlan and spoke to Paul Wheeler, and Dinah Lachlan was such a great dog, and Paul, who is an avid uh, hater of repeat matings, actually repeated the mating. Now, um, Dinah Lachlan had a sister called Abelia Bale who was a very, very good bitch, a Group 1 class bitch, now, when Paul went back to uh, Go Old Teddy with uh, with Bend and Flex, he didn't get what he wanted, and he sort of said, no, see, I told you, those repeat meetings are no good. So I went back and did a survey on Bend and Flex. Now, she's the mother of Donna Lachlan, who's a superstar, mm-hmm. and she's got uh, a nice couple of other dogs, but if you analyse every one of her litters, she was a very ordinary brood bitch. You take Dinah Lachlan out, and mm. she's a very ordinary brood bitch. Now, <laughs> that to me uh, sort of says, well, the repeat mating was probably on a hiding enough nothing anyway. Um, yeah. But, and I'll give you another instance. The, the litter that produced Worth Doing, Very Suspect, Metal Springs, all those dogs, it was done again. And everyone said "Oh it's a failure it's a failure but in the repeat meeting there was five individual city winners in New South Wales now that's that's we have stats that show if a brood bitch produces five individual city winners in a litter she's one in three thousand that's how tough it is to produce that look there's there's millions of examples of Repeat mating's failing, but there's also millions that that uh, that showed it worked Dennis Reed did it with uh, with pretty short a couple of times with traveling girl Dennis was always one who put put a mating in between and mm-hmm. uh and then rather than go straight back. Look, tornado tears. Here's
0: tears. Yeah, uh, Michael Ivers has done it a thousand times. <laughs> the, the one that sticks out to me is Power to Burn. I think she was repeat mating. Was uh, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. So you yeah. know, it's yeah. Look, it's it's an interesting yeah. one. Um, you, you, this is a good question, Dave. I'm waiting to hear your answer on this one. You speak yeah. about the importance of dam size, so the sire of the dam. We spoke about it with Whiskey and Assassin through Captain Standby. What's your thoughts on Primo Uno, who is an example of a dog who's able to overcome the fact? That his damn sire was a failure in Australia and was known to throw dogs that didn't have a great deal of, of chase in them. What, explain why Primo Uno is such a uh, probably pre potent um, sire, especially as a brood sire. Yeah.
1: Okay, it, it, it's a it's a really interesting one. Moral standards, because I remember when he came out here, and uh, he, ha- I think we mentioned in the first uh, podcast that he had a uh, moral standards had a high-class race bitch in uh, England, a champion-stayer, who and, and one of the few free to wear, BBC TV uh, races was the TV trophy that mm-hmm. they showed on free to wear television. And this bitch uh, was in front, uh, going to win, pulled up, bought, didn't chase, whatever she didn't do, and all of a sudden moral standards is in Australia. And and, and that's the reason he yeah. came here probably more that one bitch. Now, okay, he he's got a, a very interesting um pedigree moral standard. He's buying a by a dog called Flagstar who was a coursing dog. Now okay. the 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 coursing influence um when the coursing dogs in Ireland and uh, uh we're, were we were told when we went over there they go to the circle track they have about four starts and then then you got to take them off the circle because they stop chasing yeah. and uh, and anyway okay primo uno now he was a very fast sprinter by a super chase sire in black Shiraz. no question about that at all now he was also out of the portrait family one of the strongest families that there is now it is my belief primo uno has been mated successfully and used successfully to negate moral standards. Now, he still has the influence in there, but if you look at uh, Primo Uno's damn line, it's Polly's portrait, it's Walkabout Sid, it's Jared Supreme, it's Chief Dingan, it's Nicky Ben, it's Delbin Babe, all those great lines, Tangan is from the line, he's inbred to uh, Mandalas. Uh, just fabulous. That when when he was mated he produced good dogs like he knows Uno. You know. Now he knows Uno. You know, interestingly, uh, and I know the dog and I know Mick Patterson extremely well. Mick never could. He, he went to the nationals national distance final with he knows Uno, you know, you know, and he said, "I can't trial him." They all kept saying, "You want to trial him on the track in Tasmania? You want to trial him on the track?" And he said, "No." Nah. And they couldn't believe that he wouldn't <laughs> drive him on the track. He said, because he won't go around. <laughs> oh, wow. And, and he, said, he said, I took him to uh, Grafton one day for a trial. And he said, put him in the boxes, around the lure cane, wouldn't go around. Now, he made 24 group finals. He won, he won the Brisbane Cup over the 520. He won the Albion Park Gold Cup over the 700. And he was by Primo Uno. And I'm thinking he threw a fair bit to moral standards in some of his... his But he was inbred, Polly's portrait, and his mother, who knows Uno's mother, was by Brett Lee. Polly's portrait and Brett Lee are bred along the same Brother Fox, Chariot, Supreme Cross. Yeah. So is it that he knows Uno, Uno had the Polly's portrait, Brett Lee, Link, uh, Primo Uno is probably now I'm I'm I don't know for sure. I'm just saying that Primo Uno I think has been has been mated and it's been pushed back into pedigrees where moral standards has as least uh influence as possible.
0: As you can. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's very yeah. like
1: it's a bit like as I said the other day with Zambora Brocki. You have to negate Flying Stanley. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what happens.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Uh, this is an interesting question, too. We're nearly done, by the way, for people that are... Uh, I'm telling you, they're not falling asleep. They're absolutely loving this. But uh, now, do you think studmasters should be able to pick and choose which females are mated to their sire if they have an idea on which girls would suit to enhance his credentials as a stud dog? Uh,
1: I, Knowing a lot of studmasters, and the fact that their owners want to get as much money out of their stock as they can. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: uh, I don't think they do that.
0: No, uh, they they certainly don't, but do you think that, it's... you think mm,
1: they should? Mm-mm. That's probably an entirely different uh, uh, question. Um, I remember a great friend of mine, Paul Horrig, uh, said to me one day, he said, I wish I had Brett Lee. And Paul, because Paul was a massive breeder in his day, and uh, he said, "I wish I had Brett Lee, and I would pick and choose the bitches that went to him." And he said, "I'll bet I would even make them better, uh, make him better than he uh, appeared." And and I thought, well, that's probably right. That's what the great, uh, the big horse studs do, but you don't get into uh, Justify or uh, Piero or those uh, Dane Hill or Native, Native uh, Northern Dancer or anything, uh, okay, you pay big money, but you don't get in unless you're uh, selected by the start. And that's how they do wow. it. Yeah.
0: There'd be yeah. a lot of people's noses out of joint, Dave. I can tell you if that was the case. If if you rang up to use a dog and and they said, nah look, we don't uh, we don't rate the pedigree match." <laughs> Goodness
1: gracious me! Wouldn't they? Want? But but you
0: know what it's like. I mean, if you don't start producing in your first season, you're often just put on the use bin. That's just how it is in right. terms of, you know, that 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 first season is make or break. If you can't get the 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 females that you think are going to produce, it's a very very interesting point that. One of our listeners um, brought I remember, up.
1: I remember the great racehorse, a horse called El Sheba, who was a superstar in America. He ended up in Turkey.
0: Unbelievable, it awesome. it? yeah,
1: and yeah, an absolute superstar, and, and uh, like uh, among the Hall of Fame horses in America. Had his stud career uh, in America. Within two and a half minutes, he was in Turkey. So, gee, you know, there's, there's. <laughs>
0: They're gone. (laughs) They're out. Um, Okay, just two questions left. Thoughts on breeding from a steadily performed female but who had an absolute star brother?
1: Yeah, look, you'll always hear that one that, oh, you know, she was a sister to this and a sister to that. And they do have the opportunity because they've still got the same bloodlines as that star performer. Hmm. Um, uh, Look, a sister to to, uh, Fernando Bale... Uh, went to Dina Villa and produced Jacks Bale and all that good good line, you know. Um, Assistant to uh, Beckham and Bale did the same. Pina Bale and produced quality stuff. But look, I, I, it, once do we come back to the the fact that we've got the stats that show, and we've yeah. uh, that that that's not how you produce. It's your race performances. It's your city performances. Yeah, yeah. Unless there's nowhere in those statistics that say. But she was a brother to, a sister to Barlap. You know, it it doesn't
0: include that. Charlie's our saviour, mate. Charlie's our saviour. He's showing us the way. I
1: love him, yeah. Absolutely.
0: I've got a final question for you. Now, how much does a colour of a pup come into your... This, and this is great for the, those that are starting out. So how much does a colour of a pup come into your thinking when picking one out from a litter? For instance, this person that gave us the question. For instance, I picked a fawn pup from a litter because he had a triple cross of a dominant sire who was fawn. Yeah, look, uh,
1: the, the the instance I'll give you is uh, Bombastic Shiraz, and well, we go back to there. Now, uh, I remember talking to a guy called Les Bine, who was the president of the LB Park Club and owner of Bogie Lee, and uh, he put Bogie Lee years ago to Bombastic Shiraz, and she had all blacks because Bogie Lee and Bombastic Shiraz were blacks, but she also had a red fawn dog. Now, he rang up the uh, breeders, the owners of Bombastic Shiraz and said, What's his money, red fawn
2: dog?
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know. yeah. and, and to their credit, they, uh, the guys with Bombastic Shiraz said, well, uh, his mother is uh, uh, red fawn, and the next mother is fawn, da-da-da-da-da-da. Um, and we've found that the red fawns can be very good by Bombastic Shiraz. He kept the red fawn dog, ended up Bogey Bomber, who uh <laughs> was
2: a was
1: good a, dog, was, yeah. <laughs> a very good dog. Group one dog, all that sort of stuff. Now if you have a look at the top three progeny by the black dog bombastic Shiraz, they're Miata, Red Fawn, Zindeen Shelby, Red Fawn, flashing Fudge, Red Fawn. <laughs> and now that <laughs> just about uh nails at that. Yeah, colours do have an influence. Um but uh, they were all females and it's interesting and and without giving away secrets there's a there's a, a thing in pedigrees that I've been taught by my horse uh,
0: guru come on Dave tell us tell us what is it well,
1: it''s a, it's a, it, it, it's an alternate sex path which uh, males uh, run to the female line and females run to the male line now, in the Bombastic Shiraz, the, the females ran to Bombastic Shiraz himself and then down to Bombastic Blonde, who is Red fawn So he ended up with Miatus, indeed, Shelby, flashing Blood. But the blacks are the males who run down to to the female line. Uh, and, and if you look at Bellicet, Bobby Boucher, Sky Hazards, Bud Regis, Lock oh, and blacks. Bar Marlow, mm. Kiss Me Tut, they're all black. Mm. So they've all run down to the dam line. And uh, it's really interesting. A little while ago, I had the opportunity to buy some pups by Wormburner, <clears throat> and I'd done the pedigree for the, the mother, and uh, she was a very good race bitch. And they sort of asked me, well, "What do you think about going to our own dog Wormburn?" And I said, "Yeah, put me down for two pups." So I wanted a uh, a black dog for sure, and uh, a brindle bitch now, because that was the way the the uh, alternate line was going to run anyway they kept the brindle bitch and she got hurt as a pup and never raced but they said uh, look we've got a fawn dog i said all right throw him in so i read those two dogs both dogs were um sub 30 winners at albion park but the fawn dog who i wasn't going to take on color <coughs> ended up the second fastest six hundred winner ever at Albion Park. And <laughs> and mate, and my for group finals, so yeah,
0: and there's other factors, isn't there? I mean, where they're red, all that sort of stuff. But for yeah. those that are worried about colour, please do not look at Fernando Bale as that instance, <laughs> because you will go berserk. His top offspring are white and black, blue brindle, light fawn, uh, dark fawn, bl- black. I mean, jeez, you'll d- do your head in with a
1: the Therese
0: sash. <laughs> the yeah, yeah. Oh God! But now, nah, Dave. Um.
1: Which must go to show you that Fernando Bale, um, they come in all sizes and, he's, and the mothers that are going
0: to him are of very
1: big importance. And, yeah.
0: gen- and, and as you said, are probably a genetic freak, um, yeah. as you mentioned in the last podcast. Dave, it's been an absolute pleasure. I think this is our longest podcast by far, but we have an, I have had an absolute ball talking to you about all this stuff. Thank you to everybody who passed on uh, the questions. I hope we got them answered. I'm sure we did. And um, as I said, Dave, it's been a, a really good response. Um, this is the last of the, the podcasts we'll do. That's not to say we won't um, meet up in, in future if the response and the jungle drums uh, beat loud enough, mate. But again, an absolute pleasure to have you uh, on air with us today.
1: And, and George, it, it, it's, it's been a pleasure. Um, there's things that I, <laughs> I haven't told you, but, you uh, know, it, it, I've always hoped to help People and 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 whether they agree with me or not, or they they might sit there as I uh, explained uh, back at the seminar in Perth at the Nationals, the guys that load of rubbish. Well, that's their entitlement. Their entitlement. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And again, as we said last week, David pedigreesbydesign.com, dot com fantastic fantastic articles on there if you want to broaden your knowledge about this sort of stuff um i've seen you put a couple of recent articles up that i was really interested in as well dave so continue that good work please because it's a it's a an invaluable asset to everybody in the industry and we really appreciate your help mate
1: and once again thanks to charlie Riccio.
0: (laughs) oh mate we gotta get we gotta buy him a beer when we're out of lockdown well when while i'm out of lockdown not you yeah
1: Yeah, Mr. Paparazzi himself, yeah. All good, Dave. Thank you. Thanks, George.